So to me, what I would look is where does Africa need to move forward? Adopting nuclear can be fast, but it takes processes involving wide spectrum of stakeholders. In the long drive to stepping up nuclear, we thought it necessary to bring on key stakeholders to discuss, elaborate, mentor, inform, and on different aspects of nuclear technology. Today, on this special episode of the AfriNuke podcast, which is coming to you live, we have the rare privilege of delving into the extraordinary mind of Dr. Sama Bilbao, a true luminary and a leader in the nuclear industry to discuss nuclear energy geopolitics. This is a very new and interesting aspect of nuclear technology, which is not common globally, but it is very much upon us. It is germane to state that our world is kind of facing a new advent of globalization and also development. Its growth and direction is impacted by geopolitics. With the rise of global players in nuclear industry like China, Russia, USA, Canada, France, and others, the developing world must be in the right frame of mind, right disposition to get the best from this emerging geopolitical scene. Join us as we uncover the insights, innovation, and brilliance through the propelling discussion we are going to have with Dr. Sama Bilbao, the Director General of World Nuclear Association. And on this podcast, I have the co-host with me, Neka Geraldine, who will be taking on different aspects of the uh, discussion. And I would like to give it over to Neka right now to take it from me, continue in the discussion. Neka, please. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the African Podcast. Dr. Sama, it's a pleasure to have you here. It is my pleasure. Thank you. Okay. So tell us about yourself. Tell us about your organization, the juicy part, everything about being a woman in nuclear, especially how you got into the nuclear industry. Uh, well, in my case, it was a little bit probably not super exciting because I've always wanted to be a nuclear engineer. I always wanted to work with energy and I very quickly uh, narrowed down my choices to nuclear. I thought it was the one with more pros than cons. Oh, so so it was relatively easy. So, And I always wanted to be an engineer. So I, I had the opportunity to, to work in the nuclear industry in many roles. First, uh, as an engineer working for, for a nuclear utility, working in nuclear power plants. I also was a professor for a while. I, w- I had the opportunity to create from scratch a new nuclear engineering program in, in the U.S. in Virginia. And then I work in different international organizations, such as the International Atomic Energy Agency, the OECD Nuclear Energy Agency, and of course now I am Director General of World Nuclear Association. So I absolutely am thrilled to be able to lead uh, the global nuclear industry in this historical moment in time in which nuclear is becoming much more visible and there is many more eyes paying attention to the important role of nuclear energy. And um, I'm sure everybody here will agree with you on what you said that um, nuclear energy has more pros than cons. And no matter how the world would want to argue and debate about it, we still have more pros than cons. I know with time they will get around. So, But still we have um, other renewable energy options that promises net zero. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you talk about solar, they have pretty gone far in the market share. What is the market? How ready is the market for nuclear energy and nuclear power? How how has the world so far positioned to trade? We know there are developed countries who are already 
working and um, successfully running nuclear energy but mm-hmm. uh, especially in terms of uh, newcomer countries how how ready is the market to welcome nuclear energy and be able to compete with other green energy sources well so, you know um i think it's important for all of us to recognize that nuclear energy today is the second largest source of carbon free electricity in the world and it's the first one in the in the OECD countries essentially in North America and and Europe so so i think it is important for us to recognize that nuclear is already a key component of the clean energy uh uh next and it's already competing and and in many cases winning if you wish uh against other uh, carbon free energy sources so the question is um uh, what is the role moving forward so number one i think is very important that we maintain as long as feasible the current fleet of nuclear reactors because as i said they already are producing a uh, lots of carbon free uh, affordable electricity and avoiding uh, many 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 uh, tons of co2 like you know 70 billion tons of co2 in the last 50 years so that's lots of carbon uh, but again we need to, move to to be looking forward so so i think that looking forward there is already a lot of better understanding in markets of how nuclear can collaborate and and contribute to a clean energy mix together with renewables together with hydropower together with fossil fuels so so i think that that is the beauty of nuclear that can be a very good a complement or a very good partner to all, many other energy sources that's good to know but we also know that the competition in with nuclear energy, it's uh, beyond other energy sources. We also have regional sort of competition and uh, international trade kind of competition. We are currently experiencing a China versus Russia versus the West in terms of um, exportation of nuclear technology. So we, we were promised that nuclear energy which of course I believe and I subscribe to, that nuclear energy will bring about energy independence and to a large extent promote a regional peace. But now we are seeing a little more regional competition as against what we are anticipating. So how does this affect the global nuclear energy markets? And what you do know, we need? Go ahead. No, no, go, go ahead, go ahead. Please finish the question, sorry. Okay, so how do... How do we in the the developing country we that are new nuclear newcomer country how do we stay safe and not be the grass that suffers when two elephants fight <laughs> right right i agree with you actually that's very important no so i would say that one of the pieces that is that makes nuclear unique is the fact that can provide a lot of energy independence. If you think about historically, the global nuclear supply chain is incredibly global. So as you said, we have many providers, whether it is the uranium itself or the technology, whether it is the United States, France, South Korea, China, Russia, India, there is uh, Japan. Uh, So there is many, many countries that can provide the technology. So to me, this is 
yet one more reason to consider nuclear as a choice in, in many countries in Africa and, and other uh, newcomer countries because you do have many choices. You do not have to depend on a single supplier of the technology, a single supplier of the of the fuel, a single supplier of the entire uh, fuel cycle or life cycle of the unit. So, so personally, I think that that makes you the the potential newcomer African countries that puts you in a in a very strong position to set on the table your demands your goals what you need and let all these different uh, potential providers compete for your business uh, I mean and, and as you very well know Neka many African countries have been working for years if not decades into bringing nuclear they've been working together with the International Atomic Energy Agency to develop the infrastructure and the knowledge internally in the country to, to be able to use this technology. So I think that in many cases with minimum support, you should be able to say, hey, uh, this is what I need, who is in the position to provide it. So in my, in my, in, from my point of view, competition in this case is, in this case is very good for you. I, I think I see it from your perspective now. It's actually to our favor, the, the whole competition. There is a whole lot of pros for us. There is a whole lot uh, a whole lot to our advantage that we can mm -hmm. put this competition to use. As the director of World Nuclear Association, I believe you have witnessed how much funding has been an issue in the nuclear industries. We Last week, we saw a nuclear startup lay off about 40% of its um, staff and in its official document, it cited, of course, financial reasons and is talking about moving from R&D to commercialization. Mm -hmm. Now, we are also experiencing this here in Africa where funding nuclear power projects is uh, an enormous tax that is uh, sometimes beyond the GDP of some of the African countries. So what are the, the funding options, what funding models are there that could work best for us as newcomer countries, especially Africa, so that we can be at par with our contemporaries? Right. Well, you know, um, you mentioned perhaps one not so successful example, but I would say that there are many very successful examples of newcomer countries that have found uh, successful financing models for new nuclear projects. I mean, I'm looking at Egypt, I'm looking at Bangladesh, Turkey, well, UAE uh, perhaps is not a standard case because they perhaps are more wealthy than other newcomer countries. But certainly yeah. all those are definitely good examples of newcomer countries that have moved into a nuclear civilian nuclear energy program very very successfully uh, so i think that there are many models so let me just say so for example um, the ones that i mentioned many of them we are talking into government to government loans or some sort of governmental loan warranties and things like that but there are many other models so we we have seen a uh, long-term power purchase agreements we have seen the 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 rav model which is the another model that can get that is used very often into into the the financing of uh, infrastructure in general. So so this is uh, and also we have the contracts for difference also very often used in infrastructure uh, financing project. So what I really think is for maybe a few years 
we have seen that the finance community didn't very well understand the financial risk of nuclear projects, and they were sometimes hesitant to, to invest in them. But as soon as we are, they are seeing more and more successes, more and more the finance community understands how they can participate and they can they can move forward. And let me just say, small modular reactors, you mentioned a, a particular case where, where a, a, a real, relatively new company realigned their workforce to move from the phase that they had before, which was a, a research and development to the new phase, which is actually building the nuclear power plant. So, I mean, perhaps it's not ideal and it doesn't look good, but it's on the other hand, perhaps understandable that you need, if you move into a delivery uh, program, perhaps you, you need different types of talent, different types of skills. But let me just yeah. tell you, I mean, you have large reactors, small reactors, medium-sized reactors. Some of them are incredibly experienced. They've been around for a long time. Some of them, as, as you said, are new startups. And I think that the, the finance community is starting to understand how, how to finance new nuclear projects. Well, I think that we are going to get there. Okay, we, we will get there, definitely. And uh, we are hopeful it will be in our lifetime we'll get there. So, but we uh, don't have so much time. <laughs> I mean, because no, seriously, this is very important. Okay. Uh, you, you are. Uh, I, we've never met in person, but I know you and and Jeremiah. You are, you are very, very young people. So definitely, mm-hmm. you, your children, your grandchildren need to be able to see an energy system that is exactly. clean, that is stable, that is reliable, that is mm-hmm. 24/7, and hopefully some of that will be with nuclear. But in general, mm-hmm. you need to have that energy system. I can't wait. We need it. <laughs> we need it. <laughs> so um, every type of reactor design, uh, uh, every every new technology and innovation in nuclear energy space is geared towards two things: majorly electricity and then development. You mentioned SMRs, and uh, a report I read. Uh, indicated that most African countries are opting for SMR. We understand that, yes, uh, finances could be one of the reasons. But what other nuclear power energy design or power plants or kind of innovation would you recommend for low and uh, middle income countries who are looking into embarking on nuclear power energy? You know, I think that I wouldn't really focus so much on low and middle income countries portion of it. I mean, obviously countries, obviously you need to look at what you can afford and you have to put in place an, a, a plan that is uh, reasonable and um You cannot uh, put lots of debt in future generations, of course. But I think that what is perhaps just as important is to make an assessment of what the country needs. So what are your needs for for sustainable development? And I think that in here I am I am focusing on the development part. Yes, uh, I did realize that African countries do want to follow uh, sustainability as much as possible. But ultimately, you want to develop, you want to provide to provide well-being and the quality of life that others have already enjoyed are already enjoying to all Africans and all countries in Africa. So to me, what I would look is where does Africa need to move forward? And in my opinion, is abundant, affordable, clean, 24-7 energy. Mm-hmm. So this means... Uh, 
that nuclear may play a role. Sometimes it would be large reactors. I mean, we are seeing this, as I said, in Egypt. Egypt needs lots of energy. And even though they, they also are not a rich, rich country, they are very much trying to make the most of these four large reactors that are going to provide abundant energy for everybody in, in Egypt and maybe in the region. And in some cases, as I mentioned, there may be regional approaches where several smaller uh, economies, several smaller countries can get together to actually bring uh, a nuclear or group of nuclear power plants, small, large, medium, uh, used for electricity, used for uh, industrial applications, used for uh, desalination, whatever uh, resource or outcome you need. So, as I said, uh, what I think Africa uh, needs to, I mean, you, you guys need to be at the driving seat, I, I think, uh, stating okay. what are your needs. I mean, we are talking about infrastructure. This is something that is needed to move forward with the development of the continent. And we, uh, the, the more developed countries or the, con the countries with perhaps the more money, need to work together with African countries to put in place a long-term plan for that. So witnessed this exponential growth in the past 10 years in technology. I'm not speaking of the nuclear industry, I'm talking in general terms. And we could attribute this to startups who sprang up in Silicon Valley and every other part of the world. As the director of World Nuclear Association, what is the association doing to position and condition the nuclear industry to be conducive to startups? Because I believe when we allow startups without so much regulatory hitches, we will experience such growth and, and uh, development in the nuclear industry. So what is what is the World Nuclear Industry Association doing in terms of encouraging more nuclear energy startups for growth? Right. No, I, I agree with you. I think that innovation uh, and startups certainly can, can shake things up quite a bit and bring a lot of energy and excitement in a sector. So in nuclear, as you were mentioning before, in the last few years, we've seen a lot of innovation uh, in the area of advanced reactors, the small modular reactors, but also all kinds of advanced technologies and advanced business models in order to, to make the most of, of nuclear technology. So what we are doing uh, from our side is, first of all, working together with policymakers and the finance community. We do need to put in place the right policies, the right market designs, the right financing frameworks that are going to incentivize, you know, all these fresh ideas and all this uh, good uh, development to actually be implemented. Because as you as you said, I mean, good ideas are great, but, but we really need to actually make their make them work and take them from the drawing board into into the, the real use. So that's the, the primary thing that we are doing. Make sure that those that are in a position to to get these ideas into the implementation board are with us and and know uh, and give us the tools or they give these uh, startups the tools to to move forward. We really need a whole lot of startups. I am I am sure decentralization of the nuclear industry would would do us more more favor more good than harm. Because the in, in COP28 that just ended last month, there was a pledge. A, lot, a whole lot of countries came in together to pledge to increase nuclear energy by 2050, if I'm not wrong. Correct, so, correct, yeah. Okay. So, so far, so good. 
how has the journey been how what steps have been taken what plans have been put in place where are we in the the road to actualizing this pledge well you said it i mean what happened at cop 28 was incredibly important for the first time ever the nuclear energy was recognized as essential and as one of the technologies that need to be accelerated if we are serious about meeting Paris Agreement goals by 2050. So that is good, but that, as you said, is perhaps just just words and, and, and words on paper. It is good that we have already, we already have 25 countries that have strongly and pragmatically said that they have, they are going to do what's needed to triple global nuclear capacity by 2025. And that is, as I said before, in the manner of putting in place the right policies, the right market designs, incentivizing investment, putting the right frameworks so the investment community can actually put the money in all these investors. And at the same time, the nuclear industry, the global nuclear industry, we also pledge, uh, I don't know if you saw that, also at COP28, there were more than 125 uh, companies that are uh, working in, in all continents in more than 150 countries that also pledge to deliver on that promise that the countries made. Because, of course, you, you said it. It's great for countries to make this commitment, but at the end of the day, it's us, the nuclear industry, whether it's the utilities, whether it's the reactor designers, the supply chain, the workers, the uranium mining companies, the use uh, fuel management companies, all those guys, the ones that are doing the job. So we have pledged to do the work that is needed to, to get to that level. And now, as you said, there is much to be done. It's, it's lovely to do pledges. It's lovely to make promises. But, lovely. but to get from where we are today to where we need to be in 2050, much work needs to be done. So we are putting already implementation plans and we are working together as an industry to make sure that we are actually, you know, leveraging each other resources to achieve these goals. Uh, I think uh, Ghana is uh, one, one of the African countries that was part of this pledge. Correct. Uh, uh, Ghana uh, was one of them. Yes. Okay. So uh, this whole pledge is centered at reducing carbon emission. The I believe the the focal point or the focal goal of this pledge is to make the world much more livable for us, for our children, for our children's children. Yep. Very well. So Africa, in terms of carbon emission, is a, it's a bit insignificant, if I am not wrong. Do you think we should really be worried about going nuclear since we, we, we don't produce so much carbon emission to, to distort the climatic condition around us? Mm. You know, I think that Africa really needs to be very pragmatic, very, very, um, if you wish, selfish. I, and I say this, this okay. quote, unquote. Okay. I, I really think that you, you need to focus on, on what's best for Africa. So, so in my opinion, Africa needs to prioritize your own development. And I think it would be good if if we do this in a way that makes that that is as sustainable and as aware of environmental concern as possible. But at the end of the day, Africa has the right and the duty to develop 
for the well-being all, on all, all of Africans. So I think that, uh, in my opinion, African countries should really make the most of your resources in a way that ultimately benefits Africa and Africans. So in this sense, I truly feel that nuclear energy can be a very good uh, support to Africa because because nuclear energy can perhaps help Africa leapfrog a little bit to when, where you are right now, where we have unfortunately 800 million uh, persons in 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 Africa or 700 and so people mil, million people uh, mm. in Africa still lucky realistic or any access to energy. So leapfrog mm -hmm. from here to a place where people have access to energy that is abundant, that is hopefully clean and affordable, but also that energy is in some cases used to make the most of your resources. So like, for example, you know, many African countries have enormous, enormous reserves of oil and gas. And many of these countries would like to make the most of those reserves to, uh, you know, to benefit and to power, if you wish, your development. Well, mm -hmm. so we can use uh, nuclear energy, for example, as you know, it's not just nuclear electricity, but nuclear heat to decarbonize the scope one and two emissions of oil and gas. This means mm -hmm. that we could extract mm -hmm. the oil and gas in a manner that is uh, fairly environmentally then benign and still make the most of these resources for Africa and Africans. The same with other mining opportunities that exist in Africa. So in long story short, uh, nuclear will not be the only one of the energy sources that will power Africa, but I hope that in some countries it will be part of it. But more yeah. importantly, I think that Africa needs to think about Africa. And yes. Africa needs to think about Africans. And ultimately, ultimately, you need to develop, you need to provide the sustainability, that, the sustainable development that you need. But the development part is very important. So, yes. so that's what I would, that's what I would recommend. And in all the discussions that I have had with uh, government officials from African countries, that that's the type of discussion that I'd like to have. You're very right. You're very right. And. Africans, yes, we really need to put in more work in thinking about Africa and Africans. And I believe in doing so, we would experience a, a whole lot of growth in a very short while. We're talking about carbon emission, uh, climate change. We also talk about energy transition. We, we see that uh, majority of energy generated within the African continent is natural gas and coal. That's because we have abundance of these natural resources. But uh, in a report I saw uh, on the statistics of last year energy generation, we still see coal topping the chart. We still, see, we still see coal generating the most electricity. So when you talk about energy transition, I believe it should be gradual. But what can we do to hasten up so that we don't become so slow and then have the, the, the problems of carbon emission meet us just on the way while we are heading to net zero. Correct. I mean, and I think that that is probably the message that we heard at COP28. I mean, I think that it was a very pragmatic and, and balanced message matches very well what you just said. So yes, I think that ultimately we will want to phase down or perhaps phase out for fossil fuels. But in some cases, and Africa is the perfect example, that, that phase out is going to be very gradual. And there may be still, I mean, or the 
there will be still a lot of use of fossil fuels, hopefully in the most sustainable manner, but still there is there is good good reasons why Africa will want to use those resources. All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Sama. It's been quite informative uh, talking with you through this session. Once again, everybody, this is the live AfriNuke podcast reaching you from the stables of uh, Nigeria in Africa. And please, mm-hmm. this is a live podcast. If you have any question, please quickly type it in because we don't have any uh, any much time again to, to take them. I'm just going to ask her one question and then we'll take the questions mm-hmm. and answers. So please uh, put in your questions in the chat box and then I will read them out uh, as, she, as we conclude. So, um, Dr. Sama, in conclusion, because we've had some uh, very good moments with you, taking, for example, somebody coming from Nigeria, you know, mm-hmm. uh, why should I leave a well-paying job in the oil and gas industry, you know, and uh, to get into the nuclear industry? I see when I go to some conferences where I see guys from the oil and gas industry, these are the big dogs, you know. And when you talk mm-hmm. about what gives you money in the country, it's mainly these oil and gas guys, you know. So mm-hmm. what's is the motivation how do we kind of say if you have a job a stable job in the oil and gas industry come into nuclear how can mm-hmm. we convince people to to do this right well in africa certainly i mean if you are if you are in africa and you have a well-paid stable job in the oil and gas industry i don't know that i would recommend you to leave it frankly but in general i would say that historically if you look at uh, how nuclear has been deployed in in other countries uh what we have seen is number one a very large growth in very many well-paid uh, high-tech long-term jobs, meaning, uh, so these are similar in many cases to, to some of these oil and gas jobs that you just mentioned. So, but what I think is just as important is that typically nuclear energy has become a catalyst for socioeconomic development in general. So it's not just the jobs that you will get in the nuclear industry, with, yeah. which clearly may be good jobs, but the reality is uh, having access to all these abundant, affordable, clean, 24-7 energy, what happens is other industries, other businesses, other uh, growing uh, opportunities do come and there are many other jobs and there are many other trickle down economic and socioeconomic benefits that come your way. So so this is what I would say. It may be that you yourself don't want to leave your job in the nuclear industry, but certainly uh, there are, I mean, I'm sorry, in the oil industry, but I believe that there will be many opportunities for good jobs for many other people in in the area, not only in nuclear, but in many other things that come around. What we are seeing, let me just say very quickly, because let's say that we were to use uh, nuclear energy to decarbonize uh, the scope one and two of, of oil and gas. So you will, you could continue working in the oil and gas industry, but then you would uh, you would actually have a much more sustainable job and sustainable impact, for example. Cool. Thank you very much for that very insightful um, and enlightening answer. In conclusion, I want to thank you so much for, uh, before the questions and answers, I want to thank you for giving mm-hmm. us uh, an enlightening um, um, expose to different aspects. The supply chain is global. The competition yes. is for our own advantage. Many models for financing. You've talked about the focus in development. You've also talked about the abundance clean energy, which is your recommendation for Africa. And then we should be at the driving seats to get what we want out of the nuclear industry. Thank you so much for such a very educating and enlightening session. And before you go, please, I would like to crave your indulgence to take some very few questions from the audience. The question from uh, Mr. Justus um, Wabuyabo, who is the CEO of Nupia, 
here in Kenya, he asked, what do you say to people who say climate change is a hoax? Well, uh, I think that most of the science has concluded that, in fact, climate change is definitely happening. So, I mean, I, I would encourage those people that are not convinced to perhaps look at the IPCC reports or some of the most um, prominent scientists out there to look at their publications. But, you know, what I would say is something, something further. So, even if climate change is a hoax. I mean, I think that, that number one, we still want to energize Africa and provide everybody in Africa with the, the sustainable lifestyle. We And we still want to do it in a way that it makes sense. So if we can do this in a way that is clean, let's do it, as opposed to in a different, in a different way. Thank you very much. And um, Elvis George is asking, are there current developments in small and modular reactors which can be used and clear part of the nuclear phobia in Africa space? Well, there are several uh, small modular reactors that are ready and available for African countries. I truly think that there is a lot of excitement and people do get a much more open mind when we talk about small modular reactors, somehow they look cuter and I don't know, they, they open people's minds. So perhaps you may be able to 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 convince some of these African colleagues that don't, don't see nuclear as a, as a choice to change their mind. Okay, I'm going to ask the last question in this uh, session, which and that's from uh, Matt Mayer of Generation Atomic. He's asking, with 25 countries pledging to triple nuclear capacity, this will require a robust human resource build-out. What are some strategies to build and attract new workers into the nuclear workforce, particularly from young professionals who have a long career ahead? Well, I think that Matt probably knows the answer to this. So we are right. If we are serious about tripling nuclear capacity, we are going to need a lots and lots and lots of talented young people come into the into the nuclear into the global nuclear industry so so uh, we have a lot of strategies to inspire to somehow uh, engage with the next generation of leaders and nuclear professionals so first of all i think that and this is something that is already happening many young professionals they want to have a job they want to have a career that in which they not only get paid every month but in which they actually feel that they are contributing, that they are making a difference, that their job is actually making the world a better place. So for me, I mean, and this is why I do it, even though I'm not so young anymore, but but I do it because of this, because every day of the week, uh, I know that my job is contributing to making the world a better place, because nuclear is going to be able to pro provide this abundant, affordable, 24-7 clean energy that not only will perhaps alleviate these climate change concerns, but more importantly, it will bring out of poverty of all these 800 pe million people out there that they still don't have access to, to energy. So to me, that is inspiring and perhaps it perha will be also inspiring to other young people. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Sama. It's been a very informative time with you. Just one more question. I usually ask about availability to be a mentor to some upcoming clear experts or enthusiasts in Africa. would like to know if you have any role model and how available are you to be mentors to some available or willing mentees in Africa? 
Yes, I'm always willing and happy to men to to have mentees. And you know, when whenever I do talks to to people that are entering the the nuclear industry or they are talking about their future career, I think that mentoring is a key piece of the puzzle for everybody. And let me just say something that is very important to me: to be mentoring is a two-way street. So I am very happy to to provide my insights to to the people that I am mentoring, but often I learn just as much from them as they learn from me. So it tends to be a, a two-way street, which means that everybody should be also a mentor. So don't think that if you are a relatively young professional or you are relatively new in your career that you cannot bring with you other younger or older colleagues that are considering uh, following a path similar to yours. So mentoring is a two-way street and I think we all can do it. And I'm always happy to to mentor anybody from Africa or from, from anywhere. So please do not hesitate to reach to me. Thank you very much, Dr. Sama. At the beginning of this podcast, I said we have to move very fast and it takes a very large and wide spectrum of stakeholders. And in that drive, Mm -hmm. we have brought in a very luminary, learned an advanced person in the person of Dr. Sama of uh, World Nuclear Association. He's been very educating, very enlightening, very enriching, very motivating, very elaborate listening to you in this podcast. I want to say a very big thank you for featuring on this episode of the AfriNuc podcast. And on this note, I want to say thank you. And to you listeners, I want to also thank you for staying by to listen and also training your questions. If your questions was ne- were, was not taken, please, um, we will try to see how to package it and send it to her because of the absolutely of so and we'll try to we'll try to answer them and again i just want to tell you thank you this has been my pleasure and as always i and world nuclear association are at your disposal whatever you need we are here to help thank you very much and have a good day everybody bye, bye. thank you yeah.